everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Here with Bobby Marks, ESPN's front office insider. You can now find Bobby's league breakdowns on ESPN's YouTube channel. It has successfully transitioned from Bobby's pirate Instagram account to now <laughs> the mainstream on ESPN's YouTube account. Bobby, how are you? I'm doing good. You know, that mom and pop, you know, video uh, camera on a tripod in my office has now turned into something big. How about that? Well, it, <laughs> it is big and there's no question about that. Yeah, it has been a, a remarkable journey for the for your, for your uh, <laughs> transactional breakdowns, which when we get into January and February and trades start happening, right? It's it's amazing, Bobby, how long you can go on a on a salary dump, right? Well, I always start the videos and I always say it's going to be a short video and I look up and it's nine minutes in, <laughs> you know, the video uh, I did on uh, Michael Porter Jr. And John Wall was 15 minutes. <laughs> so we're turning them into little, into little podcasts, I would say, but yeah, I think people love transactions. People love um, instant reaction and um, you know, certainly we'll write about it. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll put it on video so you can kind of, we check all the boxes here. No, absolutely. It is quality content. And uh, let's start, uh, Bobby, with uh, the Bulls and Heat both find um, a loss of a pick, uh, a future second round pick uh, in this, you know, very lengthy NBA investigation, really four months from uh, maybe a little under four months from when we reported in August that they were launching the investigation and really the last couple of weeks, I think they were just going back and forth with the teams came to a punishment of both the bulls and heat losing their next second round picks for their role in essentially jumping the gun on free agency with Kyle Lowry in Miami. And of course, uh, Lonzo ball in Chicago. Did that land about where you thought it might Bobby? I, I actually thought this one might, I thought it might, for a few reasons, it was going to be maybe a little harsher, um, but it was not. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a little bit more just because of how long this um, investigation had uh, gone on for, uh, which started in August, and now we're in you know, December 1st. It, it, it comes out here. I thought there would have been a more of a financial penalty to it. Yeah, I, um, I expected a fine with the loss. Yeah, of I, I, yeah. I, didn't, I never thought it was going to be for – I mean, this was not Minnesota Joe Smith you know, back in the day where we're – you know, that's tampering, right? There's a difference between tampering and um, what happened here. Um, I thought uh, no first round picks. I didn't think, you know, hey, we're already into the season. They're not going to rescind the trade. Of course not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, Lonzo, you're headed back. Yeah, you're headed back, back to the and, Yeah, only Oklahoma City has room to sign you. <laughs> and I, I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be two um, second round picks. And I thought it was going to be, you know, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars on a fine here. Um, they basically, they got the same penalty that Milwaukee got um, a year ago, which is ironic because we could head into this year's draft with only uh, 28 second round picks available. If, um, if Chicago, um, well, I think if Miami loses that one pick, that is I think from Denver or from Philadelphia here. So um, yeah, I thought I, I, and I've said all along, um, you know, if you had just waited you know, I think just the timing sign, as you know, sign and trades are very, or get to be a little bit complicated. Um, there is prior history, though, between Chicago and New Orleans at last year's trade deadline. 
as far as trying to get some type of structure to a, a possible Lonzo Ball deal. Uh, the same with Miami, with uh, with Kyle Lowry, as far as the structure and uh, what was going to be the cost associated to sign him as a free agent. Um, you know, certainly Miami had an idea about that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what the bar is going to be, right? I mean, if this is if teams jump the gun a little bit um, and the league isn't going to investigate, um, it's going to be it's going to cost you a second round pick. Now, this is much different than uh, an example. Um, hypothetically, Daryl Morey calling, calling James Harden right now and saying, you know what? Come join me in Philadelphia in the uh, offseason. Sign for the tax mid-level exception, and we'll take care of you the following year, right? Like hypothetical situation like that. That's, that's, that's quite a get, hypothetical. That, that, that's, yeah, that's going to get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> that is going to be uh, – that is a big-time tampering there. So, um, But the one thing – and Jonathan Gavoni – you know, who does great job work with us. And he wrote about it in the, in the off season um, when he talked to a lot of teams, like I wish the league would have done something creative with these picks, right? Like I wish they would have, you know, they, you know, we always talk about in season tournaments and uh, the playing uh, tournament that we've got, there's a lot of smart people there. Why don't we reward these picks, compensatory picks as far as maybe a team who wins the NBA championship, maybe a team that, um, you know, as far as a team in the lottery, uh, an extra, instead of, you know, really hurting, I guess, a they college. They just go or, away. Yeah, a college or an international player. Now we're down two picks heading into this draft. And sure, there's two ways and there's other ways for players to make the league. But I thought maybe the league could have done maybe a little bit of a better job with that. Yeah, I wonder if that's something they'll address in the next collective bargaining talks about a way to – I don't know if that's great for the union, the Players Association to or, – or the teams to, to lose picks in that sense. Um but you're right. I think both uh, Chicago, Miami will live with, you know, a late second round pick that, you know, right. Financially, if a pick's in the 50s, Bobby, the financial hit on that is one and a half, two and a half million dollars. Yeah. Like picks get sold for different yep. um, degrees. Typically in the 50s, you're almost banking on a guy going undrafted and you can just sign him outright after. You don't have to buy a pick that late. Um, but but they get thrown around. So, uh, yeah. So the so the Heat, you know, the Heat and uh, Bulls, who both greatly benefited from the acquisition of both of those guards. Uh, there's no question about that. So they, uh, we move on from that. And Bobby, you posted today, kind of getting us ready for that December 15th date, which sort of annually marks the beginning of trade season in the NBA. A far greater percentage of players who signed free agent deals in the offseason now are are eligible to be traded. And you kind of went through the list. As you take inventory, Bobby, as we head into December 15th, I know we're going to talk a lot about Ben Simmons and what that might mean for him. But there is such a log jam in the league of teams who are more competitive. The bottom is kind of pushed up a little bit, and, and there's more teams, I think, who feel – I think the play-in has played a part in that. More teams – are competing to be in the postseason. It is harder to identify sellers in the market, and teams have a harder time declaring them sellers until we get much closer. Even when we get to the February 10th deadline, teams, they're still debating amongst themselves, what are we? Are we a seller? Are we a buyer? Um, do we want to get in the play-in? Do we want to make the playoffs? Are we content with dumping some assets and being in the lottery? Um, but I think the play-in has done what – and few on a few levels what it's done with the league is i think 
made more teams more competitive longer in the season, which is ultimately a good thing. Not as great of a thing if you love the action and big deals around a trade deadline. Yeah, and that's why we saw a lot of deals last year. Uh, I guess it was in in March um, at the trade deadline. It was basically rapid fire on that day, right? We saw it was, you know, with uh, Vucevic and Aaron Gordon being traded, uh, teams that had declared themselves a seller. Um, right now, we've got seventy percent of the NBA that is uh, over five hundred. Um, the play-in tournament has um, basically stalled things. When you look at teams like Sacramento, who has a desire to get in at least to the play-in tournament is, you know, we'll have won a couple games in LA. They're not going to be sellers right now. And uh, yeah, so we took, we took 444 players and we did this in, in Brooklyn and New Jersey um, that are under contract. And we, we split them up into three lists. And that's, this is what front offices do. When you look at all the players that are expiring uh, players that have two years plus on their contract. And then the list of players that can't be traded right now. And that list will change when we get to December 15th. But Right now, we've got about 35% of the NBA that cannot be traded because they have a, a, a signing restriction. It's guys who were signed in the offseason, December 15th, that gets lifted. Now you're able to be um, to be traded. And what we've seen in the past, and there's been a trend here, is that um, expiring contracts have become valuable, right? Like we look at Jared Allen last year and uh, gets traded to Cleveland. They resign him in the offseason. He's having a great year. Norman Powell goes to Portland. They're able to resign him with bird rights. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, another good example of going to Utah a few years ago here. And uh, so that's the, the, what teams are starting to kind of you know formulate as far as who could be available. But I think this could this take could take a little bit of a while. Um, certainly past January first, because I don't know if teams know exactly who they are quite yet. Um, there's a lot of teams in that 10 and 10 range, 11 and 10. Milwaukee has gone on a run now with their their core back healthy. Um, Atlanta's played better basketball. You know, certainly Brooklyn's a little bit of a wild card because of the Kyrie factor. Um, you know, and out there. And then the other thing, Woj, is that the luxury tax. There's not an appetite to go in it this year. So if you're a team that's straddling that fence. There's a $13 million distribution that teams are going to get for being under the luxury tax. Um, that is a record high. Normally, it's around that 4 to $5 million range. But because teams like Golden State and uh, Brooklyn, the two LA teams, are funding all this money, if you're Minnesota or if you're Denver or um, even the Miami Heat, who are right at the tax, it better be a really, really good deal for you to go in there and lose that money. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You mentioned, and I want to hit a couple teams, Bobby. You mentioned Denver, who I lose track of the calendar. I would say, I guess a year ago, let's say certainly pre-Jamal Murray injury. This was a team that you thought was in position to be a championship contender um, and have a window, have a chance at it. And the Aaron, they, they do the Aaron Gordon trade, and Jamal Murray, they're playing as well as anybody in the NBA. And Jamal Murray goes down, and now Michael Porter uh, had back surgery on Wednesday. He is out, uh, certainly for a significant period. I don't think there's going to be an appetite to, I don't think there's ever an appetite to rush anybody back with an injury like that. He's got a new five-year Max deal that kicks in next year, so you're not, you know, you, you, you're just trying to protect that investment. Uh, it, it's heartbreaking, and the Denver team is a fun team to watch and obviously built around Jokic um, that you wonder. It's still a young core, and if they can get Porter healthy and there's no reason to believe Jamal Murray's not going to come back from that ACL and, and still be a great player. He's not a player who's built on – he's a very skilled player. It's not just – it's not – athleticism and explosion it's it's um you know he can come back from that certainly and be a comparable player but it's um it's one where you just wonder can they recreate that window there well and I, i think it's disappointing because they've built the roster the right way right they've built it through the draft when you look at the Jokic in the second round you look at murray late in the lottery porter jr at pick 14 um, and then kind of putting the right pieces and they, uh, you know, you, you give up, um, you know, a first to go get Aaron Gordon at the, at the trade deadline here, you're coming off a finals loss to the Lakers in the bubble, right? So you think everything is starting to line itself up. Um, you have to be careful as far as, you know, the, as far as what your window is going to be, but you think it's wide open because you have these young players. And as you said, Murray goes down Porter jr. Um, and now it's really your MVP trying to hold it down. You know, you're, they'll probably straddle right around 500 for most of the uh, most of, the, of this year. But they did it the right way here. But they've been they've been snake bitten with uh, with with injuries. They'll still be competitive here. But um, it is disappointing because I think, and I think they can still get there. But things are certainly going to have to line up here, right? You're certainly Murray coming back from that injury. Certainly ACLs. We've seen certainly players. Porter Jr. is going to be the wild card, right? He's going to be the wild card. Three back surgeries. Yeah, as far as with the back injury here, um, when he gets back, I don't see him being rushed back um, this year. We'll see maybe. Um, And as far as what's going to happen next year, um, but um, it is a tough blow for an organization that, as you said, has done it the right way. Bobby, you mentioned the luxury tax payments for teams upwards of $13 million a season. That's a lot of money and kind of tying it to uh, the amount that Golden State's paying, the amount that Brooklyn's paying and their with the rosters they put together, the payrolls they have in trying to chase uh, championships in the window here of Kevin Durant's prime and, and Steph Curry's prime. 
Um, you know, we're seeing in baseball uh, a lockout now that started at midnight on uh, Wednesday night, Thursday yeah. morning. And we're about a year away from the NBA and the Players Association being able to mutually opt out of their deals. Um, and I think negotiations between those sides are going to, I think they'll start heating up here in the next several months. I think both sides are kind of uh, preparing for that, getting a sense of what their agendas are, what their goals are, what they might want to see, um, you know, what they kind of want to bring to the table and anticipate what the other side wants, all of those things. What's your sense right now uh, on the labor front in the NBA, what that looks like, and especially coming out of the pandemic, I think there's certainly issues for the league. I think you're seeing some atten- some questions about attendance. That's certainly been an issue in some spots around the league. What, what, what's your sense of what it looks like for these two sides, Bobby? Yeah, I don't think the system's broke, Woj. I think, you know, a year from now, we'll, both sides have an, uh, can opt out of the, of the CBA for the, um, you know, for the following season and, and, and basically, you know, put a new uh, collective bargaining agreement in, in place here. I think that likely will happen just based on history, right? Whenever there's an, an opt out for either side. And if you can get some new incentives or some, you know, different things added. Um, I think both sides are going to certainly look at that. I think, do I think it's going to be um, 2011 and we're going to be sitting around for six or seven months in a lockout? I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think we're going to be in an extended period of time. Um, usually what we see is there's always an amendment to the rules, right? Like we saw the Supermax come in, in, um, with, in 2017, we saw the extension rules change. We saw tweaks here, but I do think um, I think both sides are going to look hard as far as from a um, you know certainly from a revenue standpoint from a you know does the fifty one forty nine or fifty fifty split still work? Um, we meant you talked about the luxury tax. Uh, is there going to be um, a stiffer penalty perhaps for teams that are deep in it? Like you said, Gold, I mean Golden State and, and um, Brooklyn are happy to spend. $190 million additional besides their roster to put a competitive product where, you know, teams in the bottom can't do that right now. A team like Indiana can't go into luxury tax. It's just, they, you know, based on a revenue coming in here. Um, so I do think there'll be some changes here. I think, you know, Supermax will be looked at. I think, I think they're, you know, we're watching the Ben Simmons situation going on here as far as, you know, are there going to be rules put in place as far as uh, stiffer rules, as far as players not coming to camp? Um, players on a supermax contract that do that do get traded or uh, request a trade, maybe co- a compensation element you know decreases from that because with Simmons he's making you know twenty eight percent of the cap. Does that maybe go down a little bit lower here? But I'm not in knock on wood. I'm not anticipating us heading down the MLB path where locked out. Um, you know, both I, I read uh, you know Jeff Passan who does a great job with us. Like said, you know, hey, they met yesterday for seven minutes. <laughs> I mean, like, what'd you do? Get your bagel and put butter on it and, uh, and said hello. I don't, I, I think we're because of the pandemic and how much money is lost. I just don't think we're in a position now to have an extended, you know, holdout here. It's funny. You mentioned the Ben Simmons thing. And I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a sense in some quarters that does that impact some of the areas the owners want to go in a new collective bargaining agreement and put some tougher restrictions in. And I get it. I think the Ben Simmons thing is such an aberration. I don't think it's the start of any kind of a trend. I think it's, he's unique. The situation's unique. 
I don't see players of that caliber, all-star level, borderline all-NBA players, especially on contending teams like Philly, just saying I'm not going to play basketball. I just don't see it. I think it's just very unique. And I know people can – they can create scenarios down the road where this is going to be replicated. I, I just don't see it, Bobby. I just think that it's a stretch to think that there has to be – this has to be addressed in – I think the mental health issue and how mental health is handled versus an injury, yes. I think that's – we're seeing the back and forth between Ben Simmons and the Sixers – and how that's handled, um, that's certainly a factor. But, you know, it's funny. The contract, what Ben Simmons is protected from in his contract is he's protected from getting waived, that they can't cut him and not pay him based on mental health uh, not allowing him to be able to play. Well, Philly's never going to waive Ben Simmons. They're not cutting him. That's not that's not happening, and that's they have no interest, obviously, in that. So... I, I do think that for all the talk about this is a prelude to something, um, you know, we're headed down some road in the NBA because of Ben Simmons. I, I don't buy it, Bobby. I don't. I don't either. I don't, I do think it is a one-off here. I've you know we've talked about it at length where I've you know I've said we've never seen it happen, and you know like everyone else, you're trying to you know the rules. You know there there there's rules in the CBA to kind of protect teams, but. Because we haven't seen it, probably not as stringent as maybe they, they could. Um, there's always going to be players that are going to ask to be traded, right? There's always going to be that disgruntled all-star, but that disgruntled all-star is still going to come to work, right? That that player, um, you know, whether it be, you know, Anthony Davis in, in New Orleans or another player in the future, if it's in the offseason or the regular season, um, there's a workable solution there as far as for that player to report for that player to play and not for that player to sit home like we're seeing with um you know you know with Ben Simmons before he got to you know to Philadelphia. I think the bigger challenge for owners and teams general managers is a sense that players who are on longer term contracts and may ask out of a may ask out Ben Simmons 4 years left on his deal wanting out. It's a little easier in Ben Simmons's case because he's not saying I want to go to destination A, B, or C. He's not really done that. Um, I think he's got preferences, but he's not—he's not in a position to be able to make that demand. I think in other cases, there's players on long-term deals who might consider it or who feel like I don't—I don't want to be here anymore. That almost are treating it like the transfer portal. Like, okay, I'm going to answer, I'm, I'm just going to enter the portal, which means I want out, you have to. And I, I think what protects teams from more players doing it with that length of time is that players realize or, or, or are going to realize, and I think have realized in many cases, they're not going to get the trade to the place they want with multiple years left on their deal. That the team has the leverage because the Cleveland, the Sacramento, uh, whoever it is, the the, the non-glamour destination place, they're not going to be afraid to trade for you with multiple years. And you may look and say, you know what, where I am is better than A, B, or C. I can't get to New York or L.A. or Chicago or Miami with multiple – because that team, um, I don't have leverage with them. Now, when you've got one year left on your deal and you can leave in free agency and one of those teams has cap space – 
yeah, like we saw it with, you know, Anthony Davis had two years left and then he was headed to one. And so that's some more leverage. But I think I think the bigger issue for owners and for teams is essentially the idea that how much does the how much does a contract mean for teams when they sign a player to a five year deal, a four year deal, and he wants out pretty quickly into it? Um, uh, the, that to me, I think, is a bigger concern and more of a challenge. And I think we've seen free agency has kind of dried up a little bit. Fewer you've written about this. Fewer big players going into free agency because the sense is I will take the max contract where I am and I will fix the destination later. But I'm not going into free agency to take less money somewhere else because, you know, of course, the team you're with can pay you more. Let me take that big deal where I am and then I'll just force my way out in a year. I think that's that's the issue for teams. Can you legislate that out? I, I don't know that you can, Bobby. Yeah, I mean, we saw a record-setting number of, of veterans and rookies sign extensions this offseason. Um, you know, we, as, I, as you said, I wrote about it. You basically sign now, ask out later. Um, I think the one thing that we won't see is, is shorter-term contracts. Um, you know, right now, you know, non-bird, meaning signing with a team that has cap space, it's four years. You know, re-signing with your team is five years. I, never, I don't see that um, decreasing in years. I don't see it going to, to three and, and four years here because, as you mentioned, there is so much leverage for a team when a player is on a five-year contract or he has four years left on his contract. We always seem to see when, when the player has two years left, like the alarm clock goes off, right? Now we've got to figure out what to do with that player because we can't allow him to go into an expiring year because then he really has um, a lot of leverage as far as, you know what, I'm just going to play out my contract and then I'm going to sign with, um, you know, sign with an, another team um, in, in the future here. But it is a little bit of a give and take because, um, you know, it, it, you know, situation, let's say for, um, you know, Damian Lillard down the road and we'll see what happens there. You know, he's got, you know, you know, four years left on his contract. The trailblazers do have leverage. This is not major league baseball where a player has a no trade clause. And let's say Lillard has, you know, what I only want to go to these four teams, right? It, this is not, this is not how it works where, you know, teams like that have the ability to move him um, without any restrictions here. And when you do have that length, um, that's that's certainly a positive. Yeah, and it's fine. We're in a league now where there are no no-trade clauses. The last one, remember Kobe had one. Well, Carmelo. D- Carmelo, you know, Carmelo Dirk had one. Yeah, I mean, when, when, we, when I was in um, – uh, Brooke, oh, I guess it was New Jersey then, Dorian Carmelo, you know, when he was in Denver and it was us in the Knicks, you know, Carmelo Anthony had a no trade clause. And what happened then was, is that um, the Nuggets, Masai was the GM at the time. Um, they allowed us to, well, I think they allowed us to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing it. I hope they <laughs> To Carmelo and Leon Rose, as far as to figure out, um, you know, to, to be able to, you know, if this was a team of his destination, I think the Knicks are the same thing here. And yeah, the closest thing to a, um, to a no trade um, is, you know, a player that resigns with your team on a one year, one year contract has a no bird restriction. So they've got basically veto power, but there's, they lose some leverage by being traded. And um, that's the closest thing, but yeah, I mean, it's, you've got to be um, I think in the league seven years and on that team for four um, you know, so it's, um, it, there is so much, um, you know, there, there's players eligible, but we just don't see it anymore. Yeah. And I think there's some, there's a, 
I, maybe there's more of an unwritten no trade clause that a great player has in the sense he can make it clear to a team, do not trade for me. I don't want to be there. I will make it hell for you. You'll wish you never did. You'll be embarrassed in your marketplace by how I'll behave or what I'm going to say about being there. I mean, that's your agent's job to go yeah. out and kind of muddy the waters. And we know that goes on plenty. Yeah. And I don't know. If and sometimes a, it doesn't work. Sometimes yeah, it does. And there's, you know, in this day and age where social media is all over the place, I don't know how much the players want to be the villain, right? To be ridiculed on TV and on all, all the platforms here to be that guy saying, you know, um, I'm not coming or I'm going to come and I'm going to be a royal pain in the butt. Right. Like, and, and has three or four years left on his contract and, you know, going on the court and being booed by the home team. I, I just, it, 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 it has, there's only a few that are willing to kind of take that on. Yeah. And so it, it'll be, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see as we get closer now to that February uh, 10th trade deadline, what it looks like. I think the Ben Simmons conversations, I think the Sixers expect they'll start to heat up here or, or at least start to maybe restart anyway on a lot of fronts as we get closer to December 15th. Um, listen, their preference would be to find something um, if they cannot get him back to play. Um, but I, I think that, um, you know, it is not inconceivable. Now, Daryl Morey said Ben Simmons could be here for another three years. I don't think Ben Simmons is going to be there. I don't think they're going to hold on to him that long. But I do think I do think it's conceivable they hold him past the trade deadline and we get to the draft and to the summer um, if there's not a deal in place. Because I don't know. You know listen, this is a team that's you know certainly struggled. They've, they've missed Embiid. They certainly have struggled without Simmons. You've seen some growth with some of their younger players, but... The idea of just trading Simmons um, for pennies on the dollar, well, that guarantees you're never winning a championship. And so I think there's almost a sense of maybe they do punt on this season if it means just not doing a trade they absolutely hate. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the big questions I have for, for, for the Sixers is that if we get to you know February 10th, are we content on holding on to Ben Simmons if there's not a deal of our liking? Or what happens if there's a deal out there that, is okay, average, you know, um, that can help you win now, but maybe hurt you later, meaning maybe that player walks in two years, or maybe, um, you know, that player um, gives you a gradual improvement. I think the big thing will be where is the Sixers record going to be when we get to, you know, February? Uh, will they, you know, I think generally getting um, Embiid back from, you know, COVID um, and, you know, we've got, you know, Tobias Harris back, got, you know, your roster starting to come back. Um, that helps, but where are you going to be as far as where Brooklyn or Milwaukee or maybe even Miami is going to be? Are you going to be at 500? And maybe we just say, you know what, we're just going to ride out with the group we have right now and we'll reassess this come the offseason. And, um, you know, I don't know if there'll be better offers coming by the deadline uh, unless there's a team desperate out there, unless there's a team out there that has to make the playoffs or figures that Ben Simmons is that piece of that player way. And they figure their window is now um, to go out and do a deal. Yep. A lot to look forward to here uh, between now and as, as trade season starts to heat up, Bobby, always great to visit with you. You can continue to check out Bobby's uh, video breakdowns on ESPN's YouTube channel. You can mark those, right, Bobby? What do we call that? 
you could, it's a uh, bookmark them bookmark them yes bookmark them so you I, I heard it's, i heard it's big with the teenagers out there my 15 year old said you're on you're like on youtube now all the teenagers well, love team i said okay i've made it <laughs> you have and that that's where they watch us so uh great stuff bobby we'll, we'll talk again soon thanks as always for jumping in thanks Woj. thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj pod a big thank you to my guest today ESPN's front office insider, Bobby Marks. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also listen to The Low Post with Zach Lowe, The Hoop Collective, hosted by Brian Windhorse, and of course, the Adam Schefter Podcast, hosted by Adam Schefter. We'll catch you next time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.